Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Kansas, the environment, pool, pizza, and bourbon. So much bourbon in this amazing chat with 2017 American Whiskey Brand Ambassador of the Year and North American Brand Ambassador for Beam Sun Tory, Mr. Adam Harris. Highly decorated, highly respected, and it was just a pleasure getting to sit down with Adam on a fine Tuesday morning in Travis Heights, sipping some beam whiskey and listening to the beautiful birds chirping behind us. It was a great chat, and honestly, it's like talking to someone from classic Hollywood, that deep, dark, woody voice, much like John Wayne and so many other great masculine figures in Hollywood history. But it's Mr. Bourbon himself, and I really, really hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Mr. Adam Harris. than it was uh, in the past. I mean, I, part of that's because of the just overall growing popularity of bourbon and whiskey, mm-hmm. but I think uh, Basil Hayden resonates with a lot of people because of its um, it's light and elegant, but full flavor, I think. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, sorry. I was just taken aback by this beam 12-year. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those, I've never, you know, we, we were talking about it, and it, it's nice to be sitting here at a table in Travis Heights with two other beam gentlemen, <laughs> a 12-year beam, again, on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. But there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, Adam. I mean, from from what I understand, there are a few, and just let me use this term, you can disagree, sure. but there are a few, rock, as Aaron is a rock star, actually, and he's sitting over here, yes. but there are a few <laughs> actual rock stars in this industry, and I can't think of a guy, especially from Texas, that's more awarded, more revered, no. more respected than yourself, right? And I just wonder, did you ever... Because you got a, a degree in like environmental sciences, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how the fuck you parlay that into <laughs> to, be, to being a whiskey guy, but when you were Screwed younger, up. yeah, <laughs> did you imagine yourself traveling and being the spokesman for an American art? Uh, shoot, I think uh, my 21 year old self would have would have had no idea, or hell, to be honest, my 23 year old self as I was graduating college. Yeah. <laughs> Would have had no idea that this is what would be. Uh, this is the track that my life would have gone down. But it's um, it's pretty amazing, you know. It's uh, it's very kind of you to say the nice things you said. But there are certainly a lot of a lot more important people than and a lot more well known people out there than I am. But uh, it's 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 a it's a privilege to have a job like this and to have it for as long as I have. Uh, to be able to talk about the families and the products that I love and believe in. Yeah. And it's a, it's it's really nice. It's really great. Not a bad deal. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a lucky guy. That's a that's a nice thing. I mean, I feel really. We'll talk about kind of because Aaron mentioned this, right? So this particular piece of history or time and place, right? So we've been, both been in Texas, I think, yeah. quite some time. But you came into town. There was like this interesting march as it happened, right? How do you feel being out there on the road right now? How do you think? And I love this good and bad the ugly in the background. <laughs> 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 oh, any more Coney man? I tell you, but how do you feel about? people right now do people feel 
really divided? Because you're you're in lots mm. of places, right? Sure, sure. I mean, I I think we we live in a very uh, tenuous time, I suppose, if if that's the word to use for that. Um, I think uh, that you know, I one of the if you if you look at the the election and you look at politics, I think you know a lot of the people that were surprised that came from the surprised camp right. uh, that watched that election that night. Surprise um, camp, yeah, the new political movement. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, I think that. Uh, we are more divided than we ever thought we were, oh. and it, that's not a good thing. I don't think no matter what side you fall on, I don't think anybody wants this country to be more divided, and I don't think anybody wants our society and our culture to be more divided. Yeah. I think we've, uh, we thought we were making good strides, and apparently, you know, surprise, it's we weren't. It's very strange, yeah. isn't it? Do you find that bourbon is kind of a nice equalizer? Well, I think the... Anything that you drink in the public house is a uh, is a great equalizer, you know. I yeah. think um, that's one of the things I love about the bar culture and the bar business. It's not the great cocktails that we get to drink, and it's not the you know the privilege of some of the the, the, the goods and commodities that we can consume when we're there. But it's uh, it's really just the it's the public house, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think being able to blow off steam or to have a common thread. Uh, with 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 your fellow man, yeah. and maybe even strike up a, a civil conversation uh, on on differing opinions and things. I think that the bar might be becoming more important now for social reasons yeah. than it ever has been in the last ten years in this renaissance or whatever you want to call it, as far as the whiskey renaissance or the cocktail renaissance, whatever it is. I mean, I don't think it's a renaissance anymore because it's become pretty standard sure. practice, right. but. Um, which is a great thing in yeah. its own self. So we won that fight, right? So version two O uh, though, it's different. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe we, maybe we're going back to being a. Maybe it's necessary for the bar to become that place for conversation yeah. and uh, and not rhetoric, but uh, real understanding and and uh, thoughtful talk. Yeah, you know, considered speech. It's interesting that there's a big dichotomy or we could call it even disparity between what you might perceive people to be like because you read about them online or read what they represent them as sure. as online versus sitting down and having a drink or sitting down here and having a chat right yep for you as a as a really like an icon and I, again i'm not trying to make to blow it bigger than it is right but but let's say let's well, you're call doing it a good icon. job of that <laughs> <laughs> i'm in pr actually yeah. <laughs> you guys were looking for something but but for you that dichotomy between being the guy that is down to earth and you want to have a conversation with but also being a brand is it a hard balance for you to strike how to be online how to be in person Mm. it's a great question and i think that that's where your diplomat skills (laughs) might come in you know i mean certainly you don't want to make anybody upset we're not here to sell or to talk about anything that's going to upset anybody. We're really here to be a, a conduit to information and communication and a good time and a, and a brand and a history and facts yeah. and a production and all those sort of things. It's, um, I, I guess you would have to know where you are and realize the, the path that your conversation's heading down and, and know when to... When to reel back. Yeah, and, I, I, and it's not that I don't think that we shouldn't speak in what we believe in. I certainly believe that we should speak up for what we believe, especially the right things that we believe. But I think that 
you know, there's a time and a place to confront people. And I think that when you're uh, inviting them into your space to have a, a drink with you, and if, if, especially if they're paying for it, yeah. you know, then, uh, then you don't want to, it's not our job to challenge in that arena. It's, sure. There's other places to do that, you know? Yeah, because it's... Do it, you can do it out loud or you can do it silently, however you want to support what you're going to support. Yeah. It, it, again, there's this duality in people right now. I think it's really interesting. So you sip a fine bourbon with somebody. They're just open as can be. They're, in off, they're often accepting, too. But then yeah. somehow you, you strike the same person, you engage them digitally, and it's different, you know? I don't know necessarily why that is. you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> sure. It's because you get to be who you want to be. Uh, you know, I mean, you get to have the persona that you want to have when you when you speak out there in the social media world or yeah. the digital world or whatever. I think that, uh, and and it's and it's weird because you don't ever have you you don't really know what's the real version of who you know. Yeah. And I know I know exactly the kind of people you're talking about where they they might represent themselves sure. one way online and they and they come across completely different 180 degrees or so uh, in person. Yeah, and. You know, you might like one version and you might like like the other one, or you might like both or dislike both. But it's it's um, it's uh, going to be harder, and I think we're experiencing that already. It's harder to trust people now yeah. because you know, which one am I getting? Because you know what I mean. Exactly. Like, which exactly. version? I'd like to think that guy? you're getting Adam Harris. Right? Yeah, sure, right? sure. Right. But I think that um, you know, we're not. I'm not a young person. I'm 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 in my 40s, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that. One of the things that we are experiencing because of this social media world that we live in now is, you know, we're friends, you know, and we're in friends. Air quotes, right? And yeah. it's uh, everybody's your friend, and, and and I have you know thousands of friends apparently that I, that I <laughs> yeah. and, and that's great, and and it's nice to your value is massive, uh, of course. Yeah. Yes, my I don't know what you call it. What is that called? You online know? equity. There I don't you, know. The yeah, equity. Yes, like that. that's yeah. right. That's right. The online equity, but uh, it's um. You have to remember, we need to have real friends, and you need to have real face-to-face friends and people yeah. that you call on the phone and people that you talk to and things like that. I think that uh, you know, to really know people is very important because yeah. there's a lot of things that are going to – there's a lot of malfeasance that can seep through if you're just friends with everybody and you don't right. really know who these folks are. You know? And I think that it's important to know – if you're going to have friends, know your friends. Yeah. And if you're going to have social media impact or you're going to have social media contacts, know your social media contacts. It's a line, right? Yeah. It's hard yeah. and it gets blurred often too. Yeah. But the, it's almost this industry in a way, being behind a bar, do you feel like it in a sense kind of enables people to be superficial? Because it is so transactional, you know? You got to go a little bit deep <clears throat> with everybody, but not a lot of be- deep with a few people. Right. Um. You know, yeah, I would agree with that. Actually, I think it's uh, I'm I'm keeping score. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) one for you. All right, but um, last one after. I think uh, some of my favorite people to to hear about is people that I that I know and and a few that I'm proud to call a friend. But I I love some of the people that are the most outspoken out there. Yeah, and they speak uh, they speak truths that they believe quite Mm -hmm. strongly, and and I like I like those things unabashedly. Yeah. it's fun because it's because you have that opportunity to be superficial or to just scratch the surface of a person or to just scratch the surface of an establishment. Um, it, it's I'm glad when people are happy to let you know who they are. Yeah, you know, I like that. It yeah. is refreshing, even yeah. if I don't like who they are. I still rather them be who they I are. Like the hell out of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was, you know, 
I was there's a question I'll ask you eventually here, but somebody that I always thought I wanted to get a drink with is Lee Marvin, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for, for, yeah right, yeah. sure. But I don't know that I'd like him. You know what I mean? I've read some interviews with him and things, and it's one of those guys. It's like it's in in theory, it'd be great, but it'd only be great because of how different we are. Yeah, and sometimes that's it. It's uh, you don't Google image image Google search your uh, radio hosts, yeah. right? You don't <laughs> yeah. do that, and you want to be uh, careful of of uh, meeting your heroes. That's you dude, absolutely. Yeah, I remember, have you, have you ever, yeah, no, please. Did you ever meet anybody? Uh, I can't say I've ever been disappointed by anybody. Oh. But uh, I do have a friend that tells a, a very a very funny story about. Can I can I say? Yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine met John Goodman in a oh shit in a New York bathroom, <laughs> in a steakhouse I think, and uh, it was shortly after the Big Lebowski. And we all love the Big Lebowski, right? And he, yeah. He looks over at him, and you know he's not going to bother him while they're, you know. Yeah. Doing their, their thing. Their bathroom purposes, right. right? But then when they get to the sink and they're washing their hands, he looks over and he goes, "And a good day to you, sir." And John Goodman turns around and he goes, ah, <laughs> and walks out. So That's I, a great interaction. Yeah, you don't want to meet your heroes sometimes, I guess. But. Well, you know, it's funny because it's like John Goodman was an alcoholic for a long time, but always very loyal to his wife. So there's this interesting balance because I always thought, oh, he's a big movie, or a big movie star, big TV star, yeah. you know, but always kept loyal to his wife. He's just a bad drunk, and so he doesn't drink now. Hey. Yeah. Is that strange? Now he must he must be an angel now. It seems yeah. seems like it. Yeah. Just, except the, the random. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is uh, back in the day. I think back when he was uh, still uh, still with it. But, still uh, with it. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, the celebrity iconography, all these things, and bourbon especially kind of promulgates a lot of people, puts them on a pedestal. You know. Yeah. But let's talk about Houston. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Houston. I've been back for three years. I'm, uh, it's my hometown. I grew up there for 18 years. Lamar High School. Lamar High School graduate. Westheimer, yes. right? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, right there. Um, How was it? How was the Houston experience for you going to high school there? As a basketball fan, the years 1994 and 1995 were particularly good. Not but, bad, uh, yeah. It was, it was what I knew. You know, I'm, I'm a very happy Houston native. I'm very happy to be back home. Uh, it's a great place for me to be with my young family, yeah. and it's a great place for me to raise my son with my wife. And how old is uh, your son now? He is uh, three years old. I have wow. a Christmas baby, so he just turned three. God, is it terrible having to buy gifts twice? I always like I, my my I <laughs> my friend I, has that same problem. I think I have maybe three more years before he starts to hate me for being born on Christmas. But it's his own fault. He was supposed to be born on the twenty first, <laughs> so it's his own fault. And I'll remind him of that when he uh, starts yelling. That's what at I would me. do. Shake yeah. my. F- it's not. Don't blame me. You're <laughs> exactly. the guy. I came out. You were lazy. Yeah. You know? He was just lazy. So well, but um, I'm trying to picture what kind of student you were. Right. So you were a science guy. You were I was a, a really bad. good student until it got hard. When did it get hard? <laughs> I would say uh, when math started to involve letters. Yes, algebra. <laughs> I feel like I woke up one day and all of a sudden B was germane to, finish, <laughs> to fixing the problem. And I said, what the? I, I, I'm no longer equipped to, what is, uh, to, what fix, is to, to figure this out. Yeah. B was B stand for B. I don't understand it. Can I do some more physical lab work instead <laughs> of this sort of thing? All right. I can stack stuff. Yeah. You know, that's, that's easier. I can count that. Yes. But at, at least... In some sense, that academic, that academic stint, doing high school and stuff, it led to going to Kansas University, right? Yeah, yeah. What? So, not seeming very fond of the sciences, um, or at least having an interesting relationship with them. One, how the hell do you end up in Kansas? And two, how do you 
end up studying sciences with such an aversion <laughs> to it? Well, uh, I'll, answer, I'll answer that in the order it came. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my, my high school girlfriend's father was a, a graduate of the undergrad program at Kansas as a, a proud native of Atchison, Kansas, mm. and uh, also the law school there. And so when I was in those years, I applied to three schools. I applied to the University of Texas here in Austin. I applied to Emory in Atlanta. Emory, okay. Uh, outside of Atlanta, and I applied to uh, Kansas. And uh, Texas uh, got back to me within a week, and it was one of those, uh, I think that's Groucho Marx moments, right, where, mm -hmm. you know, the club that'll let you in or something like that. I don't want to, oh, there's a, yeah, 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 yeah. The Woody Allen club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Uh, and but uh, but I, I do love Austin. I do love you. I, I, I like the Longhorns when I'm not rooting for Kansas, or when Kansas is out of it, I'll root for the Longhorns. Um, and then Emory, I was almost all set to go to Emory, and uh, my uh, my girlfriend's father at the time he had taken me up there one time to see the university, mm -hmm. and then he made sure to take me one more time, and I I kind of just fell in love. Well, fell in love and, and realized that I wanted a bigger school experience, right? And yeah. uh, you know, the basketball program is certainly something that you can hold on to for your entire sure. life and Absolutely. root for something. And, and uh, went up there and got into uh, just, just really went head on to the college experience, uh, which means didn't have the best freshman year possible. So uh, <laughs> Academically, yeah. anyway. Socially, I bet it was <laughs> a fucking blast. Socially, it was a great time. <laughs> great time. Had a lot of friends, real friends, not yeah. just a, um, uh, and uh, bought a lot of pizza for a lot of folks. But, uh, Ended up um, really finding a love for the outdoors and, and hiking and backpacking. And yeah. I, I did spend a lot of my early youth, uh, or my, my, as I was growing older, 19, 20, 21, and uh, my early youth, uh, or how would you say that? I don't know. But those formative years, sure. uh, I, I spent outside a lot. So we would go hiking, camping, canoeing, stuff like that. And I just felt the environment was an important, uh, an important thing, and I thought it would be good to study it. And so... After a few years of flailing in liberal arts and just taking the, the required curriculum, right. I ended up uh, getting into environmental science. But uh, not to not to make myself myself sound smarter than I than I actually am, I I didn't take a science track. I took a policy track, thinking oh, that I would go okay. into like urban planning yeah. or maybe even environmental law or something mm -hmm. like that. Is what I what I thought my my life would head into. But did you uh, do you, even early on, like at that point, taking the policy kind of track mm -hmm. makes some sense. Did you find you were the kind of guy that could really connect with people? You didn't have a problem mm. meeting strangers. You were good at communicating. I, I, uh, I think communication is one of my favorite words. Huh. And communicating is one of my favorite words. Um, I, I have never tried to be just one. Well, I've never tried to have a closed mind to just want to know one type of people. Got it. You know? Uh, like based on what what uh, attribute would you say like oh, age? It, when it's high school, you call it, call it clicks, yeah, right. Yeah, and so yeah. I never tried to be part of one thing. I, I had my friends again, my right. my friends who I considered my the people that I went out with and you know the weekends and and spoke of dreams and all those sort of sure. things opened up to. Yep, yeah. and then uh, and then you know you might be at, uh, an athlete and I would be your friend. You might be a. a you know, you might be a little more bookish, and I would, I would want to be your friend. It was yeah. just a matter of something that if you were going to be honest with me and I would be honest with you, then we would be friends. Yeah. And I think that college was another opportunity to be as naked as you're ever going to be, sure. right? Because here you are going to a place where nobody knows who you, who you are or where you came from. They don't care. And, uh, you know, and that's a good thing, right? Sure. And so you, you are stripped down to just your, 
yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and you go out there and you are an advertisement for what you are and who you, what you, what you think and, and what you would like to know. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you meet people kind of based on that and you, 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 uh, you swim through a few and you, you catch on to a couple and everything's, you know, those are the people that you, uh, you, you kind of connect with know through life. Yeah. And I'm happy to say that I have friends from high school that I'm still best friends with and friends from college that are my, you know, the, the people that make my soul happy. Yeah. You know, complete you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you, do, thinking about liking different types of people wanting to connect or want to experience other types of personalities, backgrounds, etc. Does that also create kind of this multiculturalism in your head where, okay, Kansas is not big enough for the kinds of things that I need to see? Mm. Uh, well, I may, maybe that's why I moved to New York yeah. uh, right after Kansas. You know, I, I, I still felt there was much more out there. Yeah. And I don't think I had the, the intestinal fortitude to totally jump into a different country and a different culture, but I figured right. I would go to the biggest city we had in the country. And uh, headed up to New York, and I, I lived there for about 10 years after college. No kidding. Yeah. Yes. Diving into the policy profession? Diving into the environment? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. No, I... Uh, <laughs> you know. Money well spent at Kansas University. <laughs> Thanks, Mom and Dad. Yeah. Um, you know, they, my dad, my, my parents have a couple of nice bottles of whiskey in their home bar that, I, that I'm glad to drink whenever I go home yeah. uh, to visit them that maybe is a, is a slight payback for, uh, for their investment in my education. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I decided to move to New York. I had a friend from college that was uh, going up there to do film. Yeah. And I thought I might try my hand at doing some of that stuff. What kind of stuff? Uh, uh, cinematography, directing? Uh, acting, actually. No kidding. So I had done a little uh, acting throughout my life. Uh, high school and in college a little bit, and I thought that I would see if I could do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went up there, and for about the first six to eight months, I spent as a PA oh, uh, yeah, working yeah. on small-budget films. And when, uh, when the key PA asked me to go pick up the dog poop in the middle of the street, I said, uh, no. And that's, <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was the end of that, that part of the job. Yeah. career. Yeah. For who, uh, thinking actor-wise, who might have been influencing you at that point? Uh, actor wise, you know, I, I, you know, I really liked in those days. I thought that James Franco had done that James Dean movie. Oh yeah. That was on TNT. The the TV movie. And it was an eye opening, transformative experience watching him do that. You know, I, and, and not knowing James Dean, like an older generation might know James Dean, but knowing the legend and seeing the movies and everything and of course being a, a you know studying him uh to some degree right. to see him to see james franco do that i'll i'll never think poorly of james franco he's yeah. a, he's he's a great actor he is a great actor yeah. and what's the one uh spring breakers did you ever see that i love spring breakers he is a <laughs> spring breakers is great it is an insane movie <laughs> yeah, it, is. it is far too visceral for me actually and i love it oh what's his face i can't remember his name the guy did come out and stuff but um it's i a, rented it once uh, I, I, I rented it, I watched it, and then I watched it again. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. Is he not like awe-inspiring in that role? Yeah. I don't even know how you put teeth on like that. <laughs> I don't even. It doesn't like make any sense to me. But yeah, but I think that's a, it's an interesting. This is my shit. Yeah, this look is at my shit. shit. And it's got he's got the mouth and the armature all fucked <laughs> yeah, up in his yeah. teeth and stuff. 
It's really interesting. But so, okay, it's a short-lived I'm career. Do you play a horn? Do you have, I did, did you play a horn play instrument? Alto sax. Did you? I yeah. played bassoon for did about you really? four years. Yes, absolutely. No one says that word yeah. enough, do they? <laughs> I'm sure. Very I just, good I'm, word. I'm just, I picked up on that. All right, hold on. Let me take another point down here. I got two. No, that's this a point a, for me. That's a point for me. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> this is, I knew this would be a battle of wits in some <laughs> fucking respect. So is it safe to say, and I, I can't guess. I, this is the greatest thing. I don't have any goddamn clue where you went after acting. Is it finally into hospitality? Did you ever make that shift? I, uh, so, so obviously I needed to pay rent for my, uh, I had to pay rent to uh, live in the, bed, in the uh, living room of our apartment, one-bedroom apartment that we had in New York. I actually had my bed in the living room there and uh, ended up walking up and down the street one day just trying to find a job, and I ended up uh, getting a waiter job at this place on the Upper East Side, not too far from where I lived, mm -hmm. and they were going to give me a shot. You know, in college, I had washed dishes, and I had made pizza, and making pizza was, right, right. was one of my favorite jobs ever. Making pizza? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Making pizza in Lawrence, Kansas. That's, that's the life for me sometimes. Yeah. It does sound. Let's let's just go do that. Doesn't that sound kind of? Do I don't have any kids. Well, it's a little bit different. Road trip. Road, road trip. trip. Yeah. Fucking we can get make, there in thirteen hours. We'll stage yeah. at a pizza place. And I just, know where we go. Okay. I know where we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go right. The place that I made pizza at is is still there. Rudy's Pizza, right there down on Mass Street. Done. It's delicious. Done. Done deal. And there was good bands at that time too. Coming through absolutely. Camera, you know? so. Absolutely. All right. A massive diversion. I'm, I'm sorry, but so you start waiting because. It seems like an e easy enough gig. You need you some need money. You need to make yeah? some money, right? Yeah. So I uh, ended up waiting tables for uh, a couple of months. I hated it. Uh, did just didn't like it. Didn't like the the waiter position. Mm -hmm. uh, it just wasn't for me. I I, I love waiters and I love uh, people that are on that edge on on that end of the service industry. But um, I I just really liked the bar. And uh, one day a bartender didn't show up. Because I, I think, honestly, the bar wasn't doing very well, so she just didn't show up. And the right. general manager, he asked me, he said, uh, you know, uh, can you bartend? Can you fill in for, for this woman who, who's not here today? And I said, uh, I think so. And he goes, can you, um, do you know how to make drinks? It's like, no, but I, I, I know I like to drink. <laughs> and he says, uh, can That's you count to four? Right? And I said, I can count to four. And from there, uh, that day is the day I stepped behind a bar. Yeah, wow. And that was the beginning of the next seven or so years of my life. It's incredible. And it was, you know, I, I'd like to tell you, Mike, that I had this great plan, but everything has been serendipitous. Yeah. You know, and it went from there to having a guy show up. Uh, a man named Michael Waterhouse came to my bar one night with his business partner. He had a bar down in Tribeca, New York, and he was considering purchasing the establishment in which I was working. And I didn't know this, but we started talking, and he was drinking a, a whiskey and, and water, and I poured him a whiskey and water, and he had come in smoking a cigar, and someone had given me a cigar the day before, and so I had it behind the bar, and I offered him the cigar because I uh, didn't smoke him at the time. I have one every once in a while now, and uh, we just hit it off, and I had been bartending for probably all of two months, mm. and uh, thank goodness I could pour a good whiskey and water, and I had a cigar <laughs> at the right time because he asked me if, he, if I'd like to be his head bartender as he took over the place and uh, I got to do that for a while and then I moved down to his downtown Tribeca establishment. Oh man. And I spent, uh, that was my home for a, for a very, very long time. What, uh, what year were we talking when you headed to the Tribeca place? Uh, I moved there, uh, well I was working behind the bar probably say uh, 2000 until about 2006 or so. Oh wow. Yeah, 1999 to 2006. Completely different 
era of cocktails and booze. Yes, saw a lot happen. Saw saw this happen. You know, this renaissance, as you put it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a to uh, to be behind the stick down in Tribeca, making nice drinks, uh, good drinks, quality drinks uh, with with quality products um, and good spirits. Um, And then you hear, oh, there's this little place called the Flatiron that's opening up. Mm -hmm. We should go check that out. You know, and I had two aha moment cocktails. Okay. Uh, when the when when my, who the man that I consider my bar mentor, I just mentioned a minute ago, Michael Waterhouse. Yeah. When he taught me how to make a Manhattan, he taught me how to make a Manhattan using Maker's Mark, and I made that Manhattan and I tried it after his instruction, and it was delicious. Yeah. You know, delicious. I mean, that's spirit, lighter spirit, bitter. Oh. You know, yeah, it's twelve exactly bar blues. A, it is like the skeleton for so many other yeah, flavor profiles. Yeah. yeah, it's a mother sauce, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it's um, but that was an eye opener, and then that got me into thinking about things different. And then when I went to Flatiron for the first time, and I and as a whiskey man, it doesn't embarrass me to say this, so I'll say it. Uh, Julie Reinard's Asian pear cocktail. Uh huh. It was with a a, a pear infused vodka. Okay. And you know probably a cinnamon simple syrup at the time or something like that and, and whatever else went into it. I can't remember, but that was a, uh, having that drink and seeing what the, it was kind of like you, you kind of saw what the future might be, sure. you know, yeah, and, yeah. and that was fantastic. And then of course, Pegu club and employees only and all those spots started happening and being able to go and visit friends at PDT and, uh, uh, death and company yeah sure uh, even after that i mean that was the movement you it, were there when yeah, the shit was yeah. going down it was you know? uh, it was a great time to be in new york it was a great time to see what was happening uh there was a very brief moment of you know the uh seclusion this happens in a vacuum this happens only here but then it became the the sharing and hospitable and friendly profession yeah. that we how it to be today sure you know and i think Built it was because everybody had to things. hold on to something for a minute before yeah. you let it out and then it was let out and and it's uh here we are today here we are in the having something worth talking about yeah so it seems like that is an, an amazing chapter to understand flavor cocktails see the social dynamic yeah. of that industry change yeah in new york but then at some point now it seems like Whiskey's making its little appearance throughout your life, and nice. You haven't even started talking about whiskey. Yet. I know, right? Well, oh, just just how it's kind of like showing up in the frame a little bit. Yeah, it's that background actor. It's like, oh, I remember that guy was in another yeah. another shot, right? But it keeps coming in, and it keeps coming into focus. It feels like it's like Ron Howard's brother. That's Clint. Yeah, I watched. <laughs> all right, so I watched Tango and Cash last night. Yeah. <laughs> Kurt Russell, Sylvester uh-huh. Stallone. Clint Howard has an amazing role <laughs> in that movie, but that's exactly or right. Brian Doyle Murray, right? Oh, God, Isn't he's that amazing, too. Yeah, Doyle Murray, yeah. Bill Murray's brother. Yeah. God, this is great. Those are two great background <laughs> actors. Not that that's like a classification, oh, but they're good guy. background yeah, actors. Yeah. So there's got to be a point at which whiskey becomes <clears throat> some kind of love for you. It becomes mm. a focus, becomes a mistress. Well, yeah, and it was early, uh, you know, we talked about Michael in the Manhattan, but even before then, I knew I wanted to be a whiskey guy. Hmm. You know, um, I tell a story, and and so if anyone's heard me tell this story in person, I apologize for repeating it here. But we're chronicling it. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Um, but when I graduated college, I wanted to do three things. The summer I graduated, one was to learn how to juggle. Okay. The other one All was right, to sure. play better pool. 
Yeah. And the third one was to drink, know how to drink whiskey. Right? So real quick, because this is going to be a good story, but I do have to ask you. Yeah. There is this historical coolness and masculinity to whiskey. Is that why you were drawn to whiskey as that, or is it something far more cultural or artistic about it? Mm, no, it was it was just a a decision that I made. I, Got it. I, okay. I wanted to be a whiskey drinker, and I don't because you know keep in mind now this is 1999, right? Right. And whiskey is not anywhere where whiskey is now. That's right. And it was just the idea that I had a pretty because I went to school in the Midwest during that time. You know, there was the the micro brew thing had happened, and mm-hmm. I was uh, the craft beer thing had happened, and I proudly made it through college without drinking a keg of Natty Light. Good. Buying a keg of Natty Light. We drank good beer because we were in Kansas, damn it. And we drank, we had a good brewery. We drank <laughs> yeah. good beer. And if we didn't want the beer from Kansas, we drank the good beer from Colorado. And uh, that's what we, we would do. Um, and so I knew that I liked, I, I, I liked nicer things in things life. The finer gonna, things. Yeah, finer, yeah. I liked pleasures and Got luxuries it. and things like that. So whether it was a good beer, it parlayed into good whiskey. And so I wanted to be a good whiskey drinker. And, uh, Notice one of those things that I said on my list of three was not get a job because that summer I, I spent uh, <laughs> learning how to drink whiskey to the detriment of learning how to juggle and learning how to uh, play better pool. I see two I'm of them. Still helping, a terrible pool player, but a I great don't know how juggler. to juggle at all. Oh, damn it, really? <laughs> I know how to drink whiskey, darn it. <clears throat> and so uh, I knew and that was when I fell in love with bourbon. Oh. Uh, so that was I, mean, I was 22 years old when I fell in love with bourbon. 22. 22. What was that first bourbon that you really connected with? First bourbon I drank. Uh, that I really truly liked was Maker's Mark, sure. and uh, I think for that's convenient. <laughs> it is. It, it is very convenient. I know it sounds. <laughs> no, like, I'm just kidding. Uh, that leads like to the things. Yeah, but uh, Maker's. Uh, one of the reasons. One of the reasons I got the job was because I talked a lot about Maker's Mark and Knob Creek when I was behind my bar, mm. because at the time those were some of the best bourbons and still are some of the best bourbons that you can have behind a bar, and uh, I loved them. And I talked about them. And when people wanted to have a drink with Adam Harris at the bar, you know, I had a little following or whatever it was. And people sure. would come and drink with me and wanted me to make them a fancy cocktail or whatever. And so I would make them a cocktail, usually with bourbon. Mm. You know, 99% of the time it was with bourbon. And it was one of those two bourbons. And so it, all, it was uh, only a matter of time, I guess, that finally I was talking long enough and loud enough. And uh, Maker's Mark uh, asked me if I'd want to come work for him. Really? And, uh, and that was back in 2006. What kind of capacity? Sales, uh, I production. was the uh, ambassador to New York City to the metro to the metro New York areas. That's amazing. Yeah. Was forty six even out at this point? Oh heavens no! Yeah, no, this no, is no, far no. before that. Yeah, right? yeah, many years before that. I think we'd uh, we probably, eh, I guess it was a handful of years just about before forty six came out at that yeah. point. So because that demonstrates kind of an evolution of the brand and an ability to not only give people what they want but give them even more th- of what they want, even more of what they want. Growth, exactly. you know, exactly. Um, 46 is a, is a unique animal. You know, it wasn't created to be better. Yeah. It was created to be different. And so if you liked it, you liked it. If you didn't, you didn't. And if you liked the base, if you liked 90 proof maker's mark, the traditional expression more, as I did, mm-hmm. and as I, as I do, to be honest, um, that was fine too, you know, because we just made this to be something different. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I have honestly had a bit of a, a love affair with 46 lately just because. I really like Kind of getting back to just trying that whiskey. Yeah. And I, I talk about it a lot, and I share it with friends and new friends and old friends, things, and it's uh, it has such a wonderful taste. It yeah. has such a wonderful nose. Once that aroma gets a hold of you, it, mm. it, it almost drags you to the glass to take a drink. Sure. You know? Yeah, it, it, there's something opulent about it. 
It's oh, very much so. Far fancier. Now that's n- <coughs> that's not a derogatory term, but it, it really is. Then makers somehow it yeah. just feels hyped up. It's the leather interior. There you go. You know what yeah, I mean? It's the uh, it's the uh, weather. Or yeah. It's the winter package. That's right. Yeah. 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 Like the fog lights the heated, and all that. The heated steering wheel. Oh, God. I'll never if, know what it's like to have a heated steering wheel. As if we wheel. need that <laughs> ever in Texas, ever. It would be nice yeah. to drive a car one time in the cold with a heated steering wheel, though. Heated, heated seats are killer. Yeah, I don't know if you've nice. I've really enjoyed it. You don't that. have to live in a cold environment. You have to have a bad back to truly appreciate it. Oh, that's a, a good uh, point. Yeah. I'm working on that. I have a, I've got a herniated disc in oh, the do you really? back there. Yeah, from, from years basketball. Of, oh, from yeah. playing basketball. And uh, a heated seat is always appropriate. <laughs> These are gonna be geriatric tips when we get about twenty years from now. Let's let's redo this in like twenty thirty years. <laughs> well, I don't. I'd probably be dead. I'll, you just, know, I'll just. I'll be. I'll. Sh- I'll show up in a heated wheelchair. <laughs> Man, with a cool hat, I'm sure it's got to. Well, so you're traveling around New York at this time, doing the Maker's Mark thing. Uh-huh. You are becoming synonymous with whiskey in a sense. You, yeah. the guy, the brand are becoming a whiskey advocate. No pun intended. Or yeah, but. Where does that go? Do you see that at that point? Do you see it becoming a bigger thing? Do you see it leading into more travel, being an expert, mm. speaking on panels, <clears throat> all that? Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, at that time, in those days, I think the most important thing that I was trying to do was to, I just wanted for folks to look at a bottle and yeah. see my smiling face. Yeah. You know, are you an egoist? Of, I'm an egoist. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a strong, I have a healthy ego, I would say. Oh, yeah, you were an actor, yeah, of course I you were. I have a healthy ego, uh, sometimes a thinner skin than I'd like, Yeah. but uh, you know, I, I have an emotion every once in a while. That's but, good. It's uh, good to know. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I think that before there was a, a thousand brand ambassadors in the world and, and part-time ambassadors and full-time ambassadors, you know, there was there was a handful of us in New York that would always see each other and things mm-hmm. like that and we'd be at the same things and drinking at the same bars and so what you'd want is to and i and i think we still fight that fight today uh through multiple positions in our sales organization or ambassadorships and whatever you you want to be you know you want people to look at the back bar and and if you see a certain bottle and you say oh there's his there's him right, right. you know there's, sure. there's adam or there's aaron or there's mike or whatever it might be i mean that's what we wanted that's what we want and so back in those days it was just trying to do that yeah right and even uh, your stamp a lot of late nights sure. doing that right so but you were uh, but i mean this is good bachelor life for you at this point you weren't that was married a bachelor yet, life right? exactly yeah. exactly that was a bachelor life it worked out just fine um and then i saw that you know i could do that I could have done that in perpetuity. And one, one morning I was taking a shower in an apartment that I'd been renting for a long time that I liked very much. And I thought to myself, I could be taking that same shower in 20 years, yeah. right? Doing the same thing. And so I thought, uh, you know, it's hard to take the Texas out of the boy, even sure. though you can take the boy out of Texas. They That's say. right, yeah. Uh, I thought uh, Austin had been on my radar for a and we had just so happened to be opening up the Maker's Mark position in the Austin market. And I, uh, I thought, I'm going to see if I can move to Austin. Yeah. Because I've been thinking about Austin, and I think it would be, it was my opportunity to give myself a new set of challenges because mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was going to get new challenges. So I just decided to make some new challenges for myself. And uh, with the amount of uh, Canadian whiskey that we drink down here in yeah. Texas, oh, dude. you know, it's, uh, I knew that the, I had my job cut out for me. And carving the, your space, man. Yep, you got to yep. carve it out. <laughs> I was at brunch at a bar down here one time uh, in my early uh, time living in Austin. And I, I certainly won't name the bar, but I, 
was having a uh, brunch drink mm-hmm. and I ordered red snappers. And when I got shots of Canadian whiskey with, uh, I think it was cranberry and sour apple pucker, whatever oh, it might geez, be, yeah. I, uh, it only further uh, convinced <laughs> me that the, the good yeah. fight needed to be <laughs> needed to be fought. Your and mission won. was fortified. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, moved. so when did you? Yeah, when did what year did you end up coming down to Austin finally? I came down here in uh, 2009 and lived oh, here for yes. four years. Yeah, that was a good time. Yeah, it was different then too. And uh, you know what? To be honest, I. Having having being able to be a part of or, or to witness firsthand the the cocktail movement in New York, uh, very much so. I feel like I was here on the bottom floor of yeah. what was happening in Austin. You know? Oh yeah, for, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the time where things started to percolate. Yeah, and Bill was at uh, oh Bill Midnight was Cowboy up. and Draft House. Oh, he's at Fino no, at that point. He was right? at Fino. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Fino. Fino. You had Bill Norris and uh, Mr. Loving there at Fino yeah. doing their thing, and you had uh, Rob Pate at uh, Pesce. And uh, you had a Padgy House. Uh-huh. You had Jeff Bowley over at Padgy House, and those are really the three places in nineteen or sorry in two thousand and nine that you came for a good drink. It's the. Do you remember the Olympic Dream Team, the NBA's? You got Patrick Ewing. Of course. Yeah, dude. For of us, course. it's a really, really iconic yeah, team. Yeah. That's how Fino kind of was. Yeah. You know, you think Josh came out of there, Francisco came out of yeah. there, Bill came out of yeah. there. It's one of those spots where just all this talent kind of comes out, and I love that because every city's got that, and you kind of touch on it here with the New York piece, but. Everybody's got to go through that dream team. Yep. And then it grows up. Yep. And then there's other dream teams. They're yep. still as good. But you never look back as fondly as you do on and that original. Here we are, original. 2017. And I get to come back here about three, four times a year. Yeah. It never looks the same because nope. I, I do believe that Austin's the most dynamic city in the country right now as far as its development and its ever-changing landscape. Sure. But, I mean, people from all over the country are coming here to open up open up a dream, start a dream. I mean, I we had drinks at the Eberly last mm-hmm, night. Mm-hmm. That is a, a beautiful spot. I mean, that is a fancy place, right? That Me, yeah. You Op- can still show up in flip-flops because it's Austin, sure. which is not a good thing. Because <laughs> sometimes you should dress for dinner, right? Sure, that's true, yes. Dress for dinner in the appropriate place. But uh, I remember being at the Driscoll and someone saying, you have to wear a jacket. I said, I, what? I'll wear a jacket. Yeah, Why right. would I ever not wear a jacket? I'm, I'm at a nice restaurant. But... Um, it's it's a it's a great thing, you know, and and you know we were we were there at the Townsend last night, right? Yeah. So let's take the Townsend for instance, and and we have a uh, Mr. Justin who's the the head man there, and and he got started, he got to start at Pesce, and so you you have these you have these motherships. That's I look right. at it like a mothership, yeah. right? And so yeah. Pesce was a mothership, Fina was a mothership, and you saw all these things kind of come out of them, and you saw these bartenders come out of it, and they went and started their own thing, and then other bartenders they brought up young people that wanted to be bartenders. Absolutely, didn't even start as you know dishwashers or yeah. whatever it might have been, but they. It's an amazing thing to see cultures grow, and yeah. if you pay attention to it, and if you're lucky enough to be a part of or to be present at a time when it's happening, you can really see shit go it down, be born and yeah. it grow and it prosper. It's so cool, and it's a very cool thing to do. It's a good you know? time to be yeah. alive in that yeah. respect, you know. As as we watch the the nation kind of unravel <laughs> ethically, <laughs> it's a nice Oy. like yeah, yeah. two tempo kind of living. There's yeah. the good life as we're sitting here, yeah. obviously sipping some bourbon. Well, so let's talk about. It's a reminder to pay attention. You have to. Yep. You absolutely yep. do. So bourbon is a massive chapter. Beam is a massive chapter in your career, and you guys have a hell of a lot of good juice, man. I mean, there's absolutely. a lot of great stuff. And let's talk about a couple key things, right? Sure. So you got bourbon fans. How has the bourbon fanboy 
business change since you start working for this industry? You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't sure, you? Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I used to do whiskey fests, it was a, uh, it was pretty homogenous. Sure. Right. And uh, and that was fine because that was your typical whiskey drinker. And nowadays, it's a uh, it's an amazing uh, amalgamation of all of America. Yeah. You know, and you have young people, old people, people of all colors, people of all creeds, women, men. Uh, everybody's uh, everybody's in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's phenomenal. It's a great thing to see. Um, I like the fact that people are willing to try everything and try all whiskey because you know we've we fought long and hard against the idea that whiskey was this something that I'm just not going to drink because it tastes like this or right, right. Like that. And uh, you know by by educating people and having them try it and showing them how to drink whiskey properly, I think. We're reaping the benefits of that right now. Mm. Um, we're also seeing a huge deal with the fact that, you know, when when we started first drinking a whiskey, mm. right, and when our fathers drank whiskey, my dad wasn't a whiskey guy, but he has become one. Um, my dad wasn't a big drinker, but uh, anyhow, or isn't a big drinker, but uh, it takes just takes one son to turn takes one son, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, I'm, I, I, and I've str- I. I've uh, picked up that torch. Yes, I guess, right? not a bad torch. Yeah, um, but when you talk about things uh, like whiskey, it's, it always comes to how did you find the one that you like? Well, it's because it's what my dad drank, or right? What my All granddad right. drank, or whatever. And so for me, I, I found mine organically, right? It wasn't something that was passed down. But having started this when I did, and having bartended even before, you knew there was a lot of loyalty, mm-hmm. right? There mm-hmm. was, because the spirits world was small, and you sure. would know, you you know how it's grown. Oh, it's right? crazy, yeah. So with gin or with whiskey, it's uh, you had a couple of really good choices. Now you have a lot of really good choices. Yeah. And so when we were when we were first starting to drink, and we were getting our whiskey in us and falling in love with this thing, we we found those two or three things that that was my drink. Yeah. You know. I'm going to go out tonight, and that's my drink. You know, this and water, whatever it might be. This and soda, this and Coke, if you wanted to do that. But, um, you know, nowadays, there is a, uh, because there's so much out there, and because bars are so willing to carry so many things, there's opportunity for, to sate the appetite for experiment, and yeah. to try things, and trial. And uh, You get libraries of whiskey now. You know, oh, it's incredible. Goodness, yes. In the States now, which yes. was not the case. You go to the UK, of course, there's yes. massive... Historical things yep. for Scotch, but yeah, the bar I worked at uh, that I referenced earlier in Tribeca was just two blocks away from the Brandy Library. Oh, jeez! And so I used to visit the Brandy Library yeah. regularly, and that's where I had my first great Sazerac. Yeah, actually. that's first amazing. Great Sazerac, yeah, but that's but it is. Yeah, things Ethan have, Kelly made it for me, and it was phenomenal. It, it it's a good time to have this multi multiculturalism, right? Because the melting pot nature, I think, is what maybe stimulated some of this interest in, in whiskey. Yeah. Different kinds of groups growing and yeah. things. And when you think about, here's a kind of a general question about it. Is bourbon at risk? The quality mm. that we've known to expect and we can really be assured, is there is that ever at risk mm. given there's <clears> a <throat> massive demand? Well, I think if I could forecast the the future... I'd probably make a lot more money than I do. <laughs> because somebody at the company would probably pay me to do it. But I think that we are, like all things that come and go, we're in a bubble. And we are right now experiencing a bourbon bubble. Mm. And the question is, is it going to pop? And when is it going to pop? And uh, 
you know, I had a conversation with my good friend, Mr. Bernie Lovers, about yes. a year and a half ago. And I said, you know, Bernie, every time I think about this thing popping, it keeps going. Yeah. You know? And he said, oh, we've got, you know, he's got, he's got his own opinions on that, which you might hear someday. But he, uh, you know, this, this continues to go. And I don't really see what the end is. I thought that uh, legalized marijuana might put a dent in things, but it's only seemed to accentuate the, connoiss- the uh, connoisseurship yeah, I see. Uh, of this. They're complementary products in a sense. Uh, yeah, taste is taste. Yeah, right. So, right. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting time. Uh, I think that we've seen it grow. Mm. We see the dedication to quality. We see that bourbon is appreciated and desired not just domestically but all over the world and there is no threat to the quality of the whiskey because yeah. if you're not taking it even more seriously now you're doing it wrong and we are certainly taking it more serious we're taking it as serious as we ever have if not more so now i think that the thing that we're going to look at is as america becomes less about bourbon mm-hmm and more about whiskey, and more about American whiskey. And we have experimental distilleries, and we have you know, smaller distilleries that are making their own style of American whiskey and right. kind of ignoring the bourbon. Um, then we have the possibility of becoming more of a whiskey culture mm. and a whiskey country than a bourbon country. When we still are the official spirit of the United States, et cetera, et cetera, you know, we all know that to be gospel, but, you know, we are pushing the envelope, yeah. you know. Um, a lot of innovation and, going on. Of course, sure. yes. And, 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 and you as an innovator, you know, you're, you're helping to drive the train on that. But I think that it, it, it makes us pay attention to what things are happening and what's going to happen five, ten years down the road. Is five, mm-hmm. you know, in five, ten years, are we still going to like bourbon the same way? Or are we going to like an American-style whiskey that might be malted barley, That's right, you know, yeah. or... or or whatever, and I think that uh, that's certainly, you know, cause for pause sure. and to think about what's going to happen. But I, it's 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 safe to know. I, it, it's uh, comforting to know that bourbon's always going to be there. Yeah. And it's always going to be great, and it's always going to taste delicious. We don't have to make it great again. It was already it's great. Correct. <laughs> always been great. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it's a uh, and it. it Whatever wave we're riding, it'll yeah. it'll always remain. And it's comforting to know that. And it's really good to sip this bourbon with you guys. I've got a couple more questions. I think some stuff that I, is really more focused about you, maybe where you see your career. You've shifted into a much larger role, a much more visible role with Suntory Beam. Do you see? And, I, and you actually said, you know, you don't necessarily know where the hell things are going. This right, is right. serendipitous yep. scenarios, you know. But can you think about what the next step looks like for you? Is it something into more of an operational capacity with um, Beam? C-level, V-level? Sure, sure. Uh, for me, when I look at what the world holds or what the possibilities are that are out there, um, I love what I do. And I'm, I get very frustrated by people that won't just let you enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, when they, when they want to ask you, what are you going to do next? And I just like what I'm doing, right? Right. right. If you, if I'm a shoemaker, if I'm a cobbler, and I and I'm a very good cobbler, I'm probably going to be a cobbler forever, Absolutely. right? Yeah. And so if you like that job, and someone says, "What do you want to do? What, what's the future after cobbler, cobblering?" Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm a cobbler. I cobble, right? I make shoes. Uh, I talk about whiskey. You got you know? a trade. And I've I've found 
I found my trade, yeah. right? Um, to that extent, if if uh, if the world had to evolve someday, I'd I'd certainly like to get closer to the whiskey. Uh, you know, either as part of production or mm. or maybe, um, uh, maybe managing some people, helping them to come up into this position or mm. whatever, taking a mentorship. Role. Maybe? Yeah, maybe yeah. some mentorship because. Again, going back to that word communication, I do believe that is probably the strongest word in our profession because we are storytellers, we are communicators. We want people to to see what we talk about when we say how we make things. Yeah. We want people to, you know, feel something when they drink what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, those sort of things. And and you can only really do that by communication. I mean the product speaks for itself and it always will, but you're a you conduit also, to that place. Yeah, exactly. That time. Exactly. Yeah. So if I can if I can help, I'm not done communicating yet. Don't oh, get I, me wrong. No, I'm not I, done communicating. There is no doubt you're not done. I, I, I got a lot more things to say, and I have a lot of things, uh, a lot of more, uh, a lot more structured way that I want to say it, and, and things to build out. But um, uh, if I can help people come up and communicate what we do, and uh, whether it's for our company or for other companies, it's fine. But uh, but I'd, I'd like to, because I'm a bourbon man. I'm yeah. a whiskey man, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I, my paycheck says the paycheck that it says, and, but I think that uh, I'm a firm believer that I am a, a bourbon person. Yeah. And, well, uh, you may, I mean, that was one of the three goals. You're sure as hell not a juggler. There you go. I'm not a juggler. <laughs> no, that's absolutely. <laughs> Point, Mike. <laughs> as I think about your memoirs, once a, never a juggler, always a bourbon man. Like yes, that, exactly. And exactly. people will say, well, what the hell does that mean it as a title? It putting from the rough, which was my... Uh, <laughs> Which is what I, my working title for the memoir was. <laughs> <laughs> and a sand trap, always. Yes. So this would be my last question for you. And, of course, we're both ex- Aaron and I are both expecting the memoirs here probably <laughs> in the next decade or so. But there's lots of things I can tell you find interesting. And you delved in acting. You've delved in drinking, basketball. Just lots of different things, you know. So let's say, because we're sipping... We've got the Makers 46 cast strength, lovely stuff as well. So you're at your favorite it's a nice bar. nice contrast so from the Jim Beam 12. Oh, it? dude, I mean, it's a, yeah, it's the winter package. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> he did steering wheels. That's right. So you get to sit and have whatever bourbon you want at your favorite bar in mm-hmm. the world. And Are you going to ask me this question? No, no, you don't have to name those things. All right. This is the uh, only thing that I'm, I'm asking. You can sit and sip bourbon and just have a discussion with anybody living or deceased is there somebody that you would like to spend a chunk of time just having a conversation with you've never met that's a good question i've never had a good answer for this question actually it's hard because someone put me on the spot for it yesterday i'm like god damn it yeah i couldn't have a good i had said lee marvin but again i'd probably fight him or he'd fight me rather (laughs) richard burton is also (laughs) on there too ah well one of my favorite if uh, i'll I'll go in that theme and talk about actors Mm, mm -hmm. um I would uh, if if I was going to go in an actor arena, I've I love Paul Newman. Mm. I love Paul Newman. I rewatched uh, The Hustler. Oh, dude! Not too long ago, combining two of the things. Cool Hand Luke's one of my top five movies. Brilliant. Um, just cat on a hot tin roof. You American, yeah. you know, and I and I love that. And I think that he, my son loves cars, right? And yeah. So one of the the movie cars as well as playing with cars, mm. and. Uh, Doc Hudson is voiced by Paul Newman. Oh uh, man! Before he passed, and uh, I, I just love Paul Newman. I mean, there That's is him. just something that makes me feel as though I might be slightly more American, sitting there having a drink with Paul Newman and hearing what he's done and yeah. the way that he believed in things. And uh, you know, his 
I, I think it was an all-in attitude, mm. you know, and I think we all admire an all-in attitude, don't yeah. we? Like it's uh, when you see somebody that's really going for it. Yeah. We like that guy. We we appreciate that person, and he always just, even with his success being what it was, he still continued to just go all in and to go for it, mm. and maybe that led to salad dressing and popcorn or whatever. But you but know, that, I mean, um, you talk about organic food movement. That was yeah. like, that was actually pretty innovative. For that the was guy. way before Whole Foods. Well, before. maybe not right before Whole Foods, but I mean, it was before people knew what that was. Exactly before yeah. we're all thinking about what we're eating the way we're thinking about. Oh what yeah, we're eating. yeah. But it's uh. Yeah, uh, Paul Newman. He I think that's great. One of my favorites. I could, you know, De Niro, all the great American actors. Yeah. I don't think De Niro would be fun to hang with, though. I actually made a martini for Robert. Oh, Robert. shit, are you kidding me? Yeah, he was came it? into... Because he lives in Tribeca, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he came into Dylan Prime, at the t- and he, uh, he was with a, a restaurateur, and they just came in to have some martinis, or some drinks, and he asked me for a Grey Goose uh, dirty martini. And I, I, I shook the martini for him, and he drank it. And I came back up and I said, Mr. De Niro, can I uh, make you another drink? And he looks at me and I'm not going to try to do a good De Niro. And he goes, yeah, I'll have another martini. I like the way you did that shaking thing. (laughs) 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 No final words ever spoken. No, no F words or anything like that. But uh, I I did get to make Robert De Niro a couple of drinks one time. That was a lot of fun. That is. But I'm not. So I've had had drinks with Robert De Niro, I guess you could say. I think that counts. But I but I never had the chance to sit down with Paul Newman, and I think that would be a lot of fun. I think so he's too. Uh, he's he was an idol of mine for a while. He's a brilliant actor. Yeah. It seemed like just such a good uh, humanitarian too. Yes, you know, correct, correct. Had his head on straight. Absolutely, a lot of good, f- good husband too. Yeah, from what I understand. Well, we are in an amazing part of Austin. It's a be- just a lovely day beautiful. to be out here drinking beautiful day. bourbon. I don't think I'm going to move for a while. <sighs> I'm going to try not to, but it's kind of hard. <laughs> These days become pretty busy, but it's been just absolute pleasure chatting, Adam. I'm that. glad we finally got to make this happen. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Overdue. Godspeed. Let's yeah. Do it again. We will, man. Yeah. When the memoirs come out, put from the go. rough. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Well, there we have it, Mr. Bourbon himself, Adam Harris of Beam Suntory. It was great getting to sit down and chat with him. Thank you, Mr. Aaron Beavers, for coordinating, fellow Texan. A good father and a guy you just want to sit down and sip bourbon with. I I feel like he might be the quintessential prototypical bourbon drinking buddy. And getting to talk about classic Hollywood, Paul Newman, Robert De Niro, and all this great stuff. It's just absolutely a pleasure, Adam. Thank you so much for taking the time out and sipping that Beam 12-year with me. And thank you for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter if you think Silicon Valley is going to be quite different next season with the departure of Mr. TJ Miller, if you're thinking, man, how are we ever going to get this climate change thing figured out, please keep dancing.